sounds fun. Follow your cart. Get the ember. Love it. And welcome to Keyforge Premier League Weekly. That's a really long name. It's kind of getting old, huh, Drascore? <laughs> a little bit. Let's go, guys. <laughs> yeah, so right. the big breaking news with that is, is that we're actually thinking about a new name for our podcast. And we have mm -hmm. went through quite a few interesting ideas, I guess we'll call them. And uh, and uh, I, yeah. things things like interdimensional podcraft and yeah. things like, I remember that one and like Doc Bookton's laboratory and, and all these other th weird mm -hmm. things. But um, what did, I don't even remember. We had a whole list of these crazy things like Vault Podcast was one. I think Helperbot was one, yep. but that was kind of like. But anyway, the, there was one I, I kind of like the ring, although I don't know if it's good enough for the Amberlution solution. I don't know. We'll, we'll, oh, oh, we're yeah. thinking. <laughs> they ever, I did. I did come up with that one as as, yes. a, as a fun rhyme. I kind of liked it. <laughs> I, I kind of like that one too. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to open up this process to our fans out there. So if you have cool names that you think would sound good on a podcast title, um, and something that I could make some kind of cheesy graphics with, because I found in I finally found a free uh, to do graphics uh, program that I can actually free like use my mouse to draw and do things with so i could come up with our logo um and, and as you know draz makes our beats he's our tj so like uh we're looking we're looking to take our, our podcast to a more weekly basis like uh, right now we're kind of like the random podcast like we show up when we show up and we do our thing when we can but like uh we're trying to look at, at maybe getting more organized so um good for you guys i think um maybe not but either way you're gonna hear more about hear, hear more from us and yes we're gonna continue to have fun um, cause mm -hmm. this, this has been a good time. Um, so if you didn't catch us, we were on the help from future self podcast, um, mm -hmm. with, uh, Blake and my favorite, uh, Keyforge lady, one of them. Anyway, I have a lot of them. Um, <laughs> steel, uh, SC steel. It's so. a regular ladies, man, you know? <laughs> yeah, I do. I got my Wilkies and, and my Karens and Aurora's <laughs> and all these other, other ladies that play Keyforge and I get to watch and <laughs> cheer for. So, and uh, speaking of, we had uh, Aurora's event this weekend, um, where we played Oubliette for our monthly, and we had 42 players, which is a pretty good number. Um, that's kind of like where we're hoping it kind of stays around. Um, we figured, like, our highs were always, like, close to 100, but, like, we figured those days are probably waning um, with uh, organized play coming back and stuff. So um, 40 is a good number, I think, for us. It helps us kind of get our keep our pot moving for the KFPL event um, and stuff. So um, this Oubliette winner this time around was Dr. Sheep uh, from Archon's Corner. Um, Archon's Corner is a pretty cool place to be if you haven't been there yet. Uh, check, I, su I, I suggest you check it out. Um, things are happening over there, and uh, th there's new things on the horizon. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, aside great from... Great Discord, great podcast. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, great people. So, mm -hmm. uh, um, so we'll see what happens with that. And um, as you guys know, uh, Season 4 was going to be my last KFPL because I was like getting tired and worn out um from a lack of 
a lot of contribution and like just too much stuff on my plate and for me i'm you're like, doing a lot you're doing a lot it, yeah for mm-hmm. me for me it's like mentally it was draining me because like i'm a person that like when i when I, my name is on it and everybody looks at kfpl as mine like i feel like i have to make sure everything goes off without a hitch so i have to be there and like i was basically you know ball and chaining myself and it was probably mostly me and stuff but um, after I made my declaration that I was going to look to get out because of that stuff and whatever, I had good friends, um, come along and, uh, I think we're going to work out a deal where, um, as long as everybody gets good roles and things like that, I will still be with KFPL, but KFPL is not me. Like, um, and that's the one thing I want to drive that, that point home. Um, it's going to become us again. Um, and it's going to be a group because it's been me and Z pretty much at KFPL. Um, doing a lot of the heavy lifting most of the time. Um, we had our bits where, like in season one, definitely Carl was there too, and he was in K- in the the CKM guys and stuff. But um, they got tired out from it like pretty quick, and then you know we were like jotting along and stuff, and tried a couple things with things different people, but um, it didn't end up working out for what it was. So muffins was great. Like she was, well, she was here, and uh, we had a little bit of a a, a thing there. So that you know went we went our separate ways with that um unfortunately and all in all like kfpl is kfpl it was just getting to be too much stress and i was about to, at that point to get rid of it but i had some people come through looking to maybe keep the mantle moving and um as long as we define everything well we will be moving forward um with kfpl um and i will be doing the stuff i I wanted to do in like the background and doing the videos and keeping the media stuff up and i won't have to worry about anything else and that would make my day so um (laughs) so so power to the kfpl it's not going anywhere anytime soon season four is going to be a blast so stay tuned we have details coming and we're reverting back to a 32 person tournament um so we are going back to the emphasis of premiere um so surprise surprise um we went dropping the numbers because we got all the way up to 65 in the last couple of seasons like we kept going up and up trying to get more inclusion inclusion's great but now i think like the vision of kfpl was always to be a a, a something that when you got in you felt like you accomplished it right like you, you got there and you, you earned it and like it, you're playing against the best of the best and um i think that uh 65 was is, is just a bit watered like too many too many bodies in the pool um and going back to 32 makes it just that much more competitive um i think and more uh esteemed but what are your thoughts on that i mean it gives you something to to try for which is kind of cool right and something to say like hey if i could be one of the one of the cool kids right to, <laughs> to to get in and i think it also means that there's going to be fewer people that carry over from one season to the next right so right um it, I think within the pool of folks that are in a season, there's more reason to continue to do better uh, other than just purely uh, get to the number one spot. Like getting those high spots is is real valuable. Yeah, and I, I, that's kind of how I always looked at it. I wanted to have like, you know, group plays with two winners or three winners from each group play getting a chance to, you know, lock in a spot for the next season stuff, but having at least a 50%, uh, 50% like uh, rollover, like as far as like 50% mm-hmm. of the people get kicked out and have to requalify through the qualifiers and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, all that stuff, just to make it more competitive, right? It's, it's about com- competition. It's about being competitive and stuff. And I think um, going back to 32 people is going to be pretty awesome. 
Um, but again, that's not finalized yet in any way. That's just a, a tidbit of hint um, of what's going on with KFPL. Right now we are in our uh, survival season and it is coming down to the wire. If you haven't been to the KFPL.site to check out who's dead and who's alive, we're down to the nuts. And uh, basically only two people, Calvin Lamb and Erie Daly are safe from being eliminated this, this week uh, for sure. But the problem with that is that Erie Daly, if he wins, and like in any capacity, he's eliminating Lorenzo, which is an Atlantean on Atlantean crime. Um, and but if Lorenzo goes two zero and but but if if Lorenzo if Lorenzo goes on and, and wins like uh two games his two games and somehow stays in, then Iridelli's down to one deck, and Lorenzo is down to either one or no de- or one or two decks. So like um. this usually happens in the group stages the last two seasons where we had like three Atlanteans out of four spots, you know, like just on random unluck. So they wish that that would stop happening and they haven't really had any head to heads that bad in the regular group parade, but now we're down to only nine pairings and one by. So that's uh what 18, 19 people. And uh, there's three Atlanteans. So it was just bound to happen at some point. And that Lorenzo and Erie are both done very well uh, winning. So they're both at the top of the list. They both have five wins, basically uh, weekly wins. So, you know, congratulations. You guys are great. Now go kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> go, go eliminate each other. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so um, it'll be a good a good match, right? Both guys have reasons to to want to play well, right? If you can protect your your big lead, you can set yourself up for the end. If you can stay in, right? Obviously, you want to do that. So there's just no big lead. There's just no big um, big lead anymore for anybody. Like one deck, losing one deck now for Kevin Lamb and in Erie Daly puts them on the brink of elimination. And the thing mm-hmm. is, is we're only taking uh, once there's only eight or less people, those are the people that will auto qual for next season. So there's a chance that it could only be like maybe six or something, like because depending on how things play out this week, because uh, we know that there's going to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people that are out. Only one person is safe. That's X-ray because he got a buy. Um, so we have, mm. so we have seven people that are going to come out of this one, right? Seven. And there's a possibility for eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 people to still be in on week seven. But at that point, they're going to be destroying each other. It's going to be a six for six. So like you could get down to only six people auto calling, but yeah, that's the fun chaos that has been happening this far in season. So um, this week we will also be uh, recording and putting out videos or streaming uh, three of the matches. Um, I think we picked Ugluk versus Nico because everybody wants to see Ugluk lose. Um, it, we, we have the Atlantean on Atlantean fight because, uh, that's just good TV. And I think the last one we picked was my girl Wilkie, uh, not tonight against Texans 80 and Texans has been on one deck for like the longest time <laughs> he's, and he's still surviving. So he's doing well to uh, come back from his rut. And, um, he has already had a buy, so he has to actually just win out from here. Like, uh, that would be a Cinderella story, right? That'd be pretty fun. So, um, Rodion is another guy that's been on one deck for a while. And this week he's drawn Dave Cordero off of a buy. So like, um, that's going to be a tough one for him. Um, and a lot of these people, like I said, like they're all on the brink of losing. Like somebody's going home. Callum is at one deck, I think, um, and, or maybe two decks, but he's on the bubble against TWA Corby's. Um, etc. So Shreds is back against Little Fit. That's going to be another one. So 
Um, if you want to see the pairings, you want to see the decks and the, the people who are going to play each other, again, you can go to the kfpl.site and you can go to Seasons and there is the Season 3 Deck Profiles and Knockout Updates. If the people are in red, they're dead. Um, and then yeah. if, if, they're, if they have a gold... Uh, Basically, if they have a gold um, deck highlighted, then that means they have it. So, so I guess, Jupiter, you're talking about all these pairings, and hey, it's going to be luck. At some point, you're going to start pairing folks together. It makes me think a lot about randomness and yeah. randomness in the game of Keyforge. Yeah, it's. I heard that um, there is a theory that uh, that goes well with this RNG factor, and that is um, draw better. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? Yep, that is the AC Team AC low. Uh, Logo? Not logo. I guess it's on their logo. What is it? Saying? Motto. Kind of, kind of like. There their, we go. Kind of like their battle cry, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but, yes. uh, but uh, the cool thing with that is there's a lot to talk about when we when we speak RNG and the uh, random factor of KeyForge. I have my ideas about what I want to talk about, and you have a whole list of things. Like I'm the uh, on the fly guy, <laughs> you are the uh, organized guy. So I'm going to let you drive the conversation. And I'm just going to ask you questions as you explain this stuff because I'm coming at it from a point that RNG is not that random, um, and that's the whole draw better philosophy of uh, Archon's Corner, right? They say it as a joke. I was talking to Z, to Z a little bit about this when I told him mm-hmm. that, that this was our our focused. Uh, thing for this week and um he's like he's like well i know that everybody thinks it's a joke but it in reality it's like exactly what we're talking about right here so um <laughs> listen 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 well, i mean that's it's a little of both right because is it? like yeah if you drew the card that you needed right yeah you would you would win right um it's uh um but right there, there's both there's both things right there's this the side of hey just getting super lucky to draw it when you need it but how... then there's also the sort of making your own luck kind of thing. And ah. how do you set yourself up so you're maybe more likely ah. to to draw into that? Ah, so, um, so, what you, well. so, so what you're telling me is that this game isn't all luck. It's not all luck. No. It's not, it's not 100% luck. This is, this is true. <laughs> all, right, all right. So where do you want to go first? That's the question. Well, so I guess, you know, I think when you start talking about... Uh, Talk about RNG, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's stories, right? Everybody's got a story about something like good or bad that happened to them, or they encountered somebody on maybe on TCO or somewhere else where you know they this person was just maybe complaining about whatever luck they they got, right? And so, uh, you know, I I've got like a couple ones that I sort of remember that stick out in my mind as something that was. Um, you know, particularly lucky or seemingly "quote unquote" unlikely. Um, I remember one time I had a uh, I was playing a Screaming Cave deck, and I had all of a single um, Control of the Week, and I think I called um, Dis like four turns in a row, and just kept Screaming Cave and kept getting that Control of the Week, um, and so you know the. Uh, it felt like, oh my gosh, like somebody, Orin Jesus, <laughs> smiled upon me and gave me this control of the week to to basically just win the game, right? Or 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 the time that you uh, you you play ransack and you flip five cards off the top, getting uh, shadows each time, which happened to me, though my opponent only had one ember when I did this, so it was a little bit uh, less exciting 
than than it sounds like. So so everybody's got like these stories of this crazy thing that happened, right? Or my opponent, they just drew six cards of one house. Uh and and so obviously obviously uh TCO is just um you know the the, the way it generates uh, random numbers is, is no good, right? Just from these stories. That that proves it. Right right Jupiter? I mean, I play on TCO a lot, and people always give you the, uh, oh my god, how lucky were you to draw the cards you need to, or how often do you draw mm-hmm. this? And, like, usually before I can answer these people, they leave, because um, they just rage quit, <laughs> and that's fine. But uh, I do have answers for these questions, and that's kind of like why we brought this topic up, right? Because everybody wants to know, like, how do I get better, and how do I get better at the game? Well, the, the, the fact of the matter is that RNG is always a thing. Yes, it does exist, right? There is still a random amount of luck, but it really comes down to the numbers. Um, and the numbers are something that are very important. And a lot of players don't play at the level of some of the Corey Sands and uh, Erie Dailies and these machines that we see play um, because they don't really think about RNG the way that they need to. And the way you need to is that RNG is shaped by A, how you how well you know your deck b how well you can do math and c how well you can memorize things right um because in all reality the more that's why people that play decks that they've been playing for a really long time get quote unquote real lucky with them and they get really good with them is because they know where their deck is going because they know what's in their deck and they know how it works right and uh the thing that I'm trying to get to here is basically that you have 12 cards of each house in your deck, regardless, right? All of that is, is that's computer generated. That is the way that it is played. So you know your 12 cards. So if I'm playing a untamed suite that has three hunting witches and two dust pixies, guess what? You're going to see hunting witches and dust pixies, what seems like all the time. Mm-hmm. But, but how they're played and when they're played matter. Um, and that's something I think a lot of people don't take into account with their early plays and their early draws is like, where am I going with it? Remember we had this like podcast a long time ago about early game, mid game, late game and stuff like that. The okay. R- the RNG gods are all shaped into those plays, right? Like in the better you play your deck, the more RNG is going to favor you. So on your opening hand, if you drop three of one of your houses, you know that there's only going to be nine left. And if you're keeping up with this, it's kind of like card counting in like playing uh, 21, right? If like you're playing blackjack. Um, the idea is, is like, I know that if I'm down to nine, nine cards and then I have 12 and 12 in the other, and I know I have some number of those cards in my hand, right? I can count the, the, the number of house cards. This is the simple math, right? This is the, I know that I have a six card opening hand with three of one house, two of a house and one of a house. Right. So I have a nice starting hand. Cause I got a three, two, one. That's pretty good. Right. So mm-hmm. I put the most I, common opening six card hand. Right. And so, and so like uh, I, I take away the three and I play the three and I'm down to two and one and I draw four, uh, three more cards into that. Right. And so when I draw those three cards into it, now maybe I have a different kind of distribution, but this is where the game starts to automatically tell me how my deck is going to play, what house I'm going to draw later and which house I'm going to draw soon. Um, because like mathematically your deck is going to play to the average right does it happen every time no that's the real random chaos the, the the real random nature of a deck or the chaos is when you know that you're heading like you know that you have a very high chance that you're going to draw into that logos that you need to get to but it doesn't happen 
Um, that does happen. Yes, it does. So that is our Jesus, like just messing with you. Right. But the reality of it is, is that most people aren't even thinking about it. They're hoping for a good outcome, but they're not really planning the outcome. And when it comes to like random, um, random effects and stuff in the game, a lot of people just assume that it's just luck and you can't over overdo it. And uh, I don't agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, looking at what you've played, looking at uh, what you have out on the board, right? If you have a whole ton of one house out on the board and then you reshuffle your deck, right? You're you're not nearly as likely to redraw that house because you already got those cards out on the board, right? And I think it's sometimes a thing like that that, that uh, folks can forget, right? Or, or um, you know, forgetting about uh, ways to try to to move numbers in one direction, right? You might say, hey, yeah, I've got a, a few of these cards on the board. I only have one of this house in my hand, but I'm going to do it because I'm okay with what I have on the board, and I'm hoping to draw into what is now going to be an increasingly more likely the house I've played less of that I probably have a whole bunch in my hand. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to build towards like a big turn and untamed, like you said, with those hunting witches and those dust pixies. And then you know, maybe my opponent will think, oh, they, you know, they had it. How did they draw that? It's like, well, you know, I, I was kind of trying to draw it and, and increasing my odds to draw it. Yeah, you definitely angle towards those, right? So that's step one of RNG Jesus, right? Like that we've, we've now uh, dispelled some of the myth when you think about counting house cards, right? But the second layer to this is another thing that we've talked about a lot, and this is kind of hopefully, hopefully going to bring things together in your guys' minds if it hasn't already clicked with you, is we talk about, like, what the, what makes a deck good and what makes a deck bad, right? And one of the, the there's a couple of those things that we talk about. The most common is we always say, you need a board clear, you need scaling amber control, you need, <laughs> yeah. good, you need good raw amber, right? All mm -hmm. these, all these are quantifiable in your deck. So if you know that you have 18 raw amber and you're going to draw into raw amber and you know how much raw amber is left in your deck, you know how much pressure you're going to be able to put on and whether you need to reap or whether you could push with cards, right? So that's something a lot of people don't think about either. Um, and maximizing your draw pips, like, like all, like what you're going to get off your pips, like which ones are captures, which ones are draws, which ones are, you know, like how your deck works, like, right? Like, especially with MM forward because of all the extra, but like, all those pips matter in how they are played and when they're played, right? And this is kind of like, again, we'll use the generic easy uh, Dust Pixie into Hunting Witch. It's nice to play a Dust Pixie, but it's much better to play it behind a full moon in a Hunting Witch, right? So, like, angling, angling these pips and knowing, like, how accessible they're going to be for you at the point in the game that you're at matters and the longer the game goes on the better that picture is defined for you when you get down to your last 12 cards at the end of your deck you should know exactly where your deck is going what you're doing and what outs and where you can go with things like that's something that the, be the better players know that's why when you see people play online like um we were watching during this weekend where um, Dave uh, Cordero was about to hit a punctuated equilibrium and he asked his opponent, well, what's in your hand? I'm casting punctuated equilibrium, but I want to know what's in your hand. And his opponent was seemed baffled by the question. And the, the reason he said that and asked that, and I was in, I was a judge, I was in the room, so I was okay with like, I was like, yeah, you just tell them what's in your hand and, or you can do it by manually by discarding it for the punctuated equilibrium and doing it manually. But if you don't want to tell them, but the thing is, is that he asked that because he saw his opponent only had two cards left in his deck 
And so therefore, by knowing what was going out of his hand with the punctuated equilibrium, which in a game state, like when you're playing real cards, you have to put those cards into the graveyard and your opponent would have the chance to say, hold on, let me look at those cards. Now, if you had a good memory and you knew it was in his deck, you could look and you know what those last two cards that he's drawing are going into his hand. And you know whatever else, like you, you basically know what else is in his deck. Like if you didn't remember his whole deck, you get to see his whole deck now and put, basically make it fresh in your head. So um, there's a lot of timing and, and, and tactical advantage type things that go into maximizing how your deck plays. Draw pips included, uh, dr like uh, draw effects, um, you know, things like that timing of when it's going to the graveyard and when it's flipping how much of you know attention are you paying to your opponent's graveyard even if you don't have a perfect memory you can look at their hand look at their like uh, if you're going to go control the week look at their discard pile it gives you if anything it gives you a basic number of being able to count what's on the board count what's in the discard pile and you know how many of that 12 have been played right seems like very like like rudimentary like it's, it seems like something that is easy to think about and go well duh but there's a lot of people that don't and i don't understand I, I i'm hoping that this enlightens them in that factor at least our listeners right <laughs> yeah yeah and i know there's like that that pressure to go fast right and, and especially online right sometimes i catch myself online not going through all the thought process that i would go in person right in person i'm i feel like i'm much better about being kind of methodical about how I'm playing my turns and and like not not going slow but but also not going hyper you know warp speed through my turns whereas sometimes on TCO I can sort of get into that phase of you know what work I just click on everything super fast to try to get it done right get to that mode of just like I'm just going to click on these cards and the next thing I know I clicked on them in the wrong order or I was like oh shoot I I should have remembered that they would they would be drawing into that or they have that right or uh and, and i can forget about it so i think slowing down a little bit thinking about these things and thinking about what's the chance that something could occur can can really really help you yeah and so like again like maximizing your combo potentials basically knowing where your deck is going, knowing where your big bombs are as far as your scaling amber control and your board wipes, knowing what you need too. Like the first two minutes that we used to talk about, very important because those are the points where like you know how many things you can deal with in your deck, right? Like you know how many board wipes you have. Let's say you don't have a lot of like big board wipe like catch up mechanics. That means you need to maximize your fighting and your creature control with your creatures on the board to basically fight out the things that you need to fight out and stuff like that. And again, that goes towards the RNG because you know that you have to commit time and effort into fighting on the board with your creatures, which means your amber production is going to slow down. That means if your raw amber count is low, you're going to hurt. Right, you're gonna hurt real bad until you lock the game up. At that point, you have to be a control deck, um, and you're not being a great control deck because you don't have a catch-up mechanic. So if your opponent gets out ahead of you, your deck is just in a bad spot, right? But you have to know that, and if you know that, you have to figure out the best way to attack your opponent. And again, the RNG gods, quote unquote, um, they come around and if you know what you're doing, you can make bad matchups good for you because you know that you're playing into a bad matchup. So you take the right risk um, at trying to win the game, right? Sure, sure. And when you're playing sealed versus uh, Archon, I think the equation changes a little bit, right? So so in some ways you might think like, oh, like Archon, you can know all the cards your opponent has, therefore there's there's like less chance and, and maybe you can just math it out more. And to some extent that's true, um, right? When you don't know your opponent's deck, 
it's it's much harder to know what the chances are they have certain things sort of right like there is still some some knowledge that you can have right you can think you like count, oh they're you can still count houses you can count yep you can count cards and houses you know the rarity of various cards and say hey based on what houses they have they're unlikely to have xyz and so i'm probably okay to do this or you know they don't they don't have houses with with uh, big you know with really great board clears in them and so maybe i'm more likely to be able to get away with uh doing a whole bunch of fighting controlling the board and just reaping a whole bunch because um you know they you know an archon sure of course they're gonna bring uh tools and weapons but hey in this sealed matchup looking at those houses they may not have those tools and and so maybe it's the right move for me to to bet on that a little bit because uh, I'm more likely to to win under that condition than try to race them in other ways, right? So, so there's there's definitely things you can think about and 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 try to set yourself up for. Well, you know why I love you, right, Drazcore? You know why <laughs> you know why I, I like I like talking with you about KeyForge and stuff. It's because I know in limited gameplay and stuff like that, you are a Jedi master at the mind tricks because you've done so well in in, in sealed <laughs> events because. In sealed events, again, you can control your RNG, but also in sealed events, for the things that you can't control with RNG, you can also implement mind, like messing with their mind, because, hey, I'm playing Shadows. Do I have it too much to protect? That's for me to know and you to find out. Mm -hmm. um, you can really put people on the brick by playing aggressively and going, you know what, my deck doesn't have anything, right? Like people go, well, I have a bad deck, I can't win. You can win, you just have to know how to make them believe that you have the good cards that you don't have. Um, and eventually that, that, that mystique might wear off the longer a bigger tournament goes on. But for the most part, they're not going to know. Because unless you show them the deck list, you're basically always have cards that are not going to be known. People are going to be like, well, he plays like he has it too much to protect, but we haven't seen it all day. Mm -hmm. and, and, that can work, and that can work to your advantage too. Because like if you don't play the cards in, in, in a format that you're already in good control with, then maybe late in the day you get to smack them with that too much to protect that they at some point they wrote off because they're like, he's played five games. I've never seen too much to protect. And then when you need it most, wham, smack them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, and I think the opposite is, is true too. Like um, not letting yourself get to, to caught down the... Well, the way he's playing, he, he must have that rare, right? And and so, uh, you know, I uh, you know, I better do this this suboptimal thing because I'm overly worried about this thing that I'm uh, they they might have be because of what they're doing right now, right? There's maybe they do, but there's also a reasonable chance that they're doing it for some other reasons too, right? So you sort of got to weigh those out and don't let yourself get shaken, right? Think about what the chances are based on uh, what what's going on in the game state, and then. You make an educated guess, right? But it's educated, right? It's not just it's not just pure random. Yeah, nothing is pure random. So I guess like what we're getting at here is um, with RNG and the way that people look at it, uh, there's really it's not it's not a, a mysterious thing. It's not the yes, there is some some random luck to it at times. Like when you play your wild wormhole, you're definitely you know swinging for the fences sometimes, but and you're hoping it happens. But there are players that angle themselves to the point where they play the wild wormhole with a better chance of hitting a oh my god moment than others. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to say. And we're saying that's what sets the skill of Keyforge apart from the just play and have fun of Keyforge. Uh, mm -hmm. If you want to take it to that next level, you have to really think about this stuff and, and think about the maximized 
lines and the maximized you know combo potential of your decks and stuff like that and whatever so to kind of go back on to what the ac guys say with the draw better thing i hope you guys understand better that what they really mean is plan better you'll draw better that's what they're getting at right so if you, if you plan better you draw better um and that's kind of where they're at with it um even though it's a joke and it's kind of like their little catch lane now maybe that's a better understanding of it and um I think that R- yeah. I think that RNG is is gotten a bad rap. Um, I know I hate wild wormhole and cards like that, but that's because I usually <laughs> that usually is because it means I have to think harder about playing the deck. The uh, so so speaking of drawing better, but also setting yourself up to draw better. So one of the big things that uh, some of the you know real good players like to do is bring decks with high efficiency. Right. which is in some ways right, protecting yourself, if you will, from from some of that randomness, right? Because they are seeing more cards. So yeah, you when you draw uh, one card off the top of your deck, your chances of getting that card you really, really need is one in whatever, right? However many cards are left in the deck. But if you draw two cards, well, you just double your chances. If you draw three cards, four cards, right? So on and so forth, right? And so if you can see more cards... The chances of you being able to get what you need at the right time is is way better, right? If you can archive, right, enough to hold in your hand, right, and put in your archive, you're much more likely to be able to put something away that you're going to need at the right time, right? Yeah, um, and, and that and that's and that's a very valid uh, strategy as well. And then when you put that with the things we've talked about, that makes you uh, look like a great player, and like it looks, it makes you look like <laughs> you, you always have the cards you need when you need them. And the, and, the, and the reality of it is you do because you've set yourself up for that kind of success. Um, another like like anti RNG kind of play too is is like you play decks with high disruptive value. That's like something I really like, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and people look at it and they're like, well, it has no amber control. I could just destroy him and blah blah blah. But then all of a sudden everything ends up back in their hand and they have to replay it and like they they're getting messed up in a way that they're not used to being messed up. That's like how Inca got through its prime. Um, definitely not the best deck there, but people didn't know what to do with it, having to play the same cards over and over again and not getting to see their deck. Like the exact opposite of your efficiency. It was like anti-efficiency. It's like <laughs> disruption, right? So um, that becomes a big thing. And then when you have capture mechanics and you have disruption with bounce, like that's another RNG type factor that people are just like, oh, you're just so lucky you have these things at the right time. It's not that I have them at the right time. It's just that I know what my deck does. I know where I'm going with my deck. I have those game plans, in fact. And the R- what, you th- what you are perceiving as really good luck or bad shuffling mechanics with tco and things like that are really just preparation and timing Mm -hmm. yep no i agree i agree right and i think i think this is something you could practice right so i was was thinking about this like and i was thinking about the card uh igor right so two power logos creature and it says uh right draw three cards put one of them in your hand discard the other two and and i remember when i first you know played igor I had this I had this reaction of like but but what if I get two cards that I really want and I'm forced to discard one of them or three cards I really want and forced to discard two of them right and so there's always this like nervousness and this hesitancy like early on when I when I first started playing it um but as I played with it more and more I realized yeah that like totally can happen right yes I I have played with Igor and hey there's 
the three best cards in my deck came up in one go, and I had to pick one of them, right? And that was unfortunate. Um, but far, far more often, I'm able to just select the card that's going to best help me for this situation, right? Either a t- card I can play right now or something that's really going to set me up for next turn. And and I think playing a whole bunch with Igor, a deck with multiple Igors, can sort of get you the feel for it, sort of help you practice um, you know, being okay with this random event in many ways, as to, but then selecting the thing out of that random event that is going to help you the most and making the most of whatever you pull out of out of those those cards. Yeah, interesting fact is uh, if you draw another Logos card and you play it, you're getting more value than you would by discarding and keeping something that wasn't Logos. Mm-hmm. Also, you know how many of each house are in your deck and how many you've played and what's in your hand. So if you get to that tough decision where you're like, man, I want both of these cards, you can look and go, but wait a second, I've already played a bunch of this stuff. So there's more like more likely a chance that this becomes fodder because I don't want to play just, even though it's a good card, I don't want to play that card as a one of or a two, a two card turn, right? I want to have as many cards played as possible to be efficient and get through my deck. Um, so this card will just be better on the reshuffle than it would be sitting in my hand waiting to be reshuffled so I have a better chance of having a bigger turn with it, right? Um, so these are all those like micro decisions that Keyforge has that makes the game amazing. Um, but at the same time, it makes it like more complex, right? Like more complex than people give it credit for. And um, I think that that these are the kind of things that really put people onto the next level as far as how good they are and stuff. Like the best players that I've been watching throughout the last couple of seasons of KFPL, they take their time. They seem like they're like slow playing almost, almost because they they're really taking their time to think their turns through and stuff like that. And they're not so slow playing. They're just planning better than everybody else. Um, and quite honestly, when you're playing online, you have extra tools that you don't have in a physical like use, right? Like we've always said, yep. like you can write down your cards, you can look at your cards, you can do whatever you want to do. If you want to be an online champ. Um, it's nowhere near like playing in a real event, right? Like, cause we can't monitor that. Like, and for us to say on your honor, scouts honor, you know, don't write things down. Don't look at things. Don't look at your opponent's card at blah, blah, blah. We could do that all day long, but the only person that that's the only people that that's going to hurt are the fair people. So like, uh, the, there's going to always be people probably that push those envelopes and still are going to do the things that are not supposed to do. And we can't prove it. So if we can't prove it, we don't disallow it. And so, when you're playing online, it's good study for you every time you play because you get to see your deck in a very optimal light because you know the information you could kind of like think, but it can also make you very lazy and it can make you um, very uncomfortable when you go back to live play because now you don't have those shortcuts. So now you start making more mistakes that you're not used to. Um, so there is a balance between it. Like I never try to look back at my opponent's card um, when I'm playing and I play fast and loose most of the time and I usually play almost like a solitaire style That's why when I'm playing games for fun online a lot of times like you'll just see me do crazy things Or you'll if you're watching me stream and I'm playing like at a fast rate whatever or I have Harlan in the background Usually I'll go I'll play something and go. Oh, that was out of order It's because I'm not really <laughs> taking the time to plan my my idea, right? Like I usually go this is what I want to do and then something changes a little bit and then when I go to do it I go oh crap. I meant to yeah, well, whatever and that's my reaction. So, like, uh, it's not the same as when 
I'm like you said, I think when I play in person, I'm a far better player um, than I am online because on, online, I really have tons of distractions around me and I can't do it. When I go to play at an event or I go to play at my game store, I'm there to play cards. So therefore I can focus in and, and be a lot more clear in my thoughts and stuff. So I'm a much, yeah, more, I, much more dangerous player in person than I am online. <laughs> I, I think I am too. Like I, the other weird thing that I, I do, I, I'll catch myself doing sometimes is, um, you know, I'll pull up the DOK and I'll just quickly, like, I'll look at the numbers, right, first. And then I'll just quickly skim the cards and then I'll look at the numbers again. And I'll start playing and I'll be like, I'll just suddenly realize, like, wait a second. I know they had, like, a really high C score, but I don't even remember why. Like, because I don't even remember which cards. <laughs> Something I, you know, I'll flip back and go, oh, shoot, they've got this, that, and the other thing. And I, I sort of forgot that because I was focused on the numbers so much and I, I wasn't thinking enough about the, the, the specific cards. And so I think <clears throat> I have to remind myself not to do that and to read the cards. And then, yeah, look at the, look at the numbers to see if you're online, to see if you, hey, did I miss something? Or is there something that maybe it's, it's trying to call out to me that maybe I didn't notice? But, but read the cards, read the whole deck list. Yeah, and I highly recommend that when you read the deck list, that you read the card, you focus, you think about what that card was, and you make sure you know exactly what it says. Like when you see Miasma Bomb, you need to go, okay, that's an artifact. It's it's an action to play, to use. So I have one turn when it comes into play, and I know that when I use it, I have to be in shadows, and I know that it's going to make me turn off a key for a turn. You should go through all that in your head for every single card in in your deck, and it has an amber pip, right? Like or whatever. Um, and so like you you want to go through everything, and if you come across a card you don't know, that's the time to get a judge or get somebody to tell you. Like if they don't want to tell you or show you the card, then you can basically just have a judge come over and. and clarify what the card is for you um but the thing is is like when you do that you have less of a chance of missing on the things that are going to hurt you because it's like really easy to say i'm going to play a, a artifact centric combo deck right so the first thing i need to look for isn't really how many creatures they have or what their power is and stuff like that the first thing i want to know is what's your artifact control because mm -hmm. that change that changes the whole game if they you have zero i punish you right that's when i push and i punish that's like an instant like gratification for me knowing i have an edge um if you have artifact control now i have to go well now i have to wait like now i have to time it out um if they if you're playing saurians and you have heavy bounce type uh, you know like a lot of capture and a lot of things that are gonna kind of be crazy like i play a double primus ungus deck now um with imperial forge Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. it's actually really good. I picked it Found up. Nice. I picked it up in a in a trade and, and sell scenario where he, the guy didn't have a ton of money, so I was like, "Well, I'll take these two decks. I think they're pretty cool looking, and they were like in the seventy SAS range." And I was like, "I'll send you these six for these two and some change, right?" Like so, um, mm -hmm. just to get get him more. He basically he traded out things, but like he didn't think that he was giving up much. But I wasn't sure if it was good or not. Like I just looked at them and said, "These are pretty fun looking. I, I would play these both. One is a Brobnar based deck. One, the other was a." Uh, a double primus ungus with an imperial forge so i was like that's got to be something fun right and uh it turns out that it's really gross but when i look at <laughs> uh, when i look at my opponent's playlist like the other day i was playing it online um so there's a video on twitch of it but like uh i was playing it and uh i so i was talking to my people that were watching and i said okay so the first thing i want to do with this deck is i want to see what their bounce is and it's like oh look in shadows he has a lights out so i know that i'm kind of handcuffed to not trying to commit too much to the to the board as far as capture goes until i force him to play that lights out and i, I had to wait four turns and it finally popped out and um once it was gone i was going nuts i was just dropping ungus after ungus with uh, imperial cutum on it and then using the uh the, the spiral to just make them both huge and like 
there's nothing he could do about it at that point. I'm just abusing him because he had no board clear. And the only thing that really hurt me was that lights out. So once that lights out goes, I knew I was green lighted to play. So now it just seems like, oh, wow, your deck just drew lucky, right? No, I planned to not hit the lights out. Like I played around that, right? And I'm not saying he he didn't. He, the guy I played against played fine. He wasn't like one of those guys that just got mad and starts accusing me of things. But like, but the thing is, is like some people when they look at that, they're like, oh my god, the number generator. Oh my god, this or that. And I was like, no, I recognized what I needed to do and what where I needed to get to, and I realized that you had a lack of ways of dealing with it, and that's how I formulated my game plan and my strategy to move forward. Um, so. I I implore people that when they're learning decks that they love and things like that that that's the kind of mindset that they're going in with and that's the kind of homework that they're doing because this this is why you play a deck a thousand times because even after you play a deck like I've played Peter's a crazy amount of times and it's still not a kind of deck i like to play because it's a control deck it's not my style it's very mentally draining for me and like at a long tournament i think i would pass out from uh <laughs> from having to think too hard um but <laughs> probably not but i'm just saying uh, the vision of hyperbole. it for a podcast you got a hyperbole a little bit yeah right? <laughs> well maybe i mean you might just see me pass and fall out of a chair one day while and you just could be like well that's jupiter he's just playing peters don't worry about it uh, but <laughs> no but uh <laughs> but in in reality though like there's just a lot of decisions and it's like there's a lot of ways to like make the wrong decision and get punished for it and like um so you have to take your time and slow down and make the right decisions because as soon as you make a wrong decision you're kind of it has ways to get back but you don't want to be in that position right so um that's why you play a deck a thousand times and even to this day it wasn't until like a month ago that i was playing peters and it looked like my the guy that i was playing against was gonna just like you know finish me off and i was gonna lose and i'm like thinking well I had, i'm gonna get a key on my forge but i don't have a good way to you know to get past that and he just chose to hazard me with a combo with nature's call and all this crap and i was like that kind of sucks right like in this and that then i was like wait a second i have favor rex in my archive this rocks so mm. on my turn i just reap out and i play you know play all that stuff and then like get to six you know six or seven <laughs> amber and then uh, i play favor rex get that extra amber and then i chose and i went like that really Very made, nice. that made him instant leave and didn't get a gg for it but like <laughs> But like, oh, it, it was like, but I was you like, gotta PG a guy for that. Like, that's that's a sweet move, you know. Yeah, like, gotta yeah. applaud the guy. <laughs> I always, I always save my favor of Rex for something huge. Like, and usually, mm -hmm. like, when I'm playing Peters, I'm looking for those cards that I want to use. But I never had thought of even in when I looked at Chota Hazri, I never thought of like I can get, I can use that for a key cheat. Like, like my favorite Rex now is a key cheat. So now I know that, and so now I look for it because it's a great, it's a great way to use a favor of Rex. But um, yeah. And I think for, for, there's definitely, like, you should take your top decks and you should really think about not just the prime cards, but, but all the cards in your deck and think about, well, how can these interact? And then what are the interesting things as you're playing many, many times? What are the interesting things you should be on the lookout for, right? So, and and I think that's a great example, you know, or, or maybe to take something a little more mainline. Like, so, uh, so I have a deck that I really like, uh, but it only has one board clear. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, so you have the to question the is, well, I have, <laughs> but I, and my board is a little, a little finicky, right? I've got a good amount of burst. So like, sometimes it doesn't matter, but like one of the big things I am evaluating when I'm looking at my opponent's deck is how important is this, is this board clear? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Do I need to hold it? almost no matter what until the right moment because otherwise they're just going to overwhelm me and I need to slow myself down a little bit to use it at the right time to win or 
no, hey, I actually, I'm okay, I'm okay fighting, like, it, they also don't have a big board, doesn't matter, just discard it, who cares? Right, or, or am I playing against a Spiral Rex? Like, how many creatures do I want to commit to my board? Do I want mm -hmm. to only play effective creatures? Because if I play anything else and he plays Rex, that gives him value. So do I discard creatures instead of playing creatures? Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of great ways to think about your deck, um, and a lot of people don't. So it's, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people don't, but I'm saying maybe a lot of people don't take the time to realize these little things, these intricate, like, yeah. quote unquote, cute plays that get you ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's investing in your, the decks you want to play the most often is, mm -hmm. is really what it is. Yeah, so that's like just crazy, right? Like, um, so RNG, draw better, right? Like, that's the whole game plan. <laughs> um, if you just draw better and play your cards and your cards fall perfect for you every time, then c congratulations. I mean, luck does have some something to do with this. But if you wonder why you always see the Atlanteans at the top of the of the leaderboards in the KFPL and you see like the same people qualifying over and over again, it's not because of RNG good luckness. It's because of preparation. It's because of the ability to take what they have and and uh, make the best out of it. Um, a good example of that is like this season, it was actually very random because you had 25 decks to pick from. So you pick your five decks from e you know each each of the sets and stuff like that and whatever. But even with all of that randomness and the ability for something to go, the people that, are, that I named off on that list earlier when I was reading the list, there are a lot of the same people that yeah. <laughs> have been in the in the league. There's a reason for that, and um, they're just good people to get coached up by. They're good people to listen to when uh, you can see things. They're good people to just watch and see what they're doing and figuring out what they, what, you know, what's going on in their head. I've been doing this for seasons like now, and it's like, yeah, I'm getting better at like going. I know where this is going. I know where this is heading when I actually am focused on what I'm doing as far as commentary goes. But at the same time, like I still get surprised. I still go, I don't know what's happening here, and I don't know where it's going. And sometimes there wasn't a reason that I could figure out, and they didn't prove it to me. But there's other times I go, oh, I get it. Like, oh, sweet, right? And I learned something, and that's why we stream games. Um, so if you haven't caught our streams and stuff like that, you really should. And uh, be vocal. Um, talk during the stream. We are very good at engaging, especially when I'm by myself doing the streams. If people aren't really engaging me, I would just let the, let, let the video roll and not really talk a lot because I feel like I'm just talking to myself, and that's not how i do it but the more you talk in the stream or at the questions or just dialogues in the stream the more likely i'm going to stay excited about what i'm doing um but like i said these guys are playing at such a high level sometimes i just get enthralled by the game i'm looking at the game He's just watching get your popcorn out you know yeah yeah i become a fan mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still a fan of the game so yeah but um that that's mm -hmm. anything else you want to add in for this uh well, yeah, you, you'll probably notice in the notes here because I wrote these notes before uh, the vacation, before you went on your vacation, right? And uh -huh. yeah, <laughs> I took some of these notes in a very, very different direction, which, which is fine. We won't get into all this, but I, I guess I do. I do have a question. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, um, so from all this, right? Did we learned right that TCO is like perfectly, perfectly random, right? Isn't that what we learned? Absolutely. <laughs> No, 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 no. So, <laughs> oh, so oh, we I'm actually wrong. didn't. I'm wrong. We actually didn't. <laughs> so, so it's interesting, right? So I, mean, I you I know, mean, mathematically, I, I was, I'm going to be wrong at some point. Well, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Probabilistically, right? Like, so, uh, yeah. So, looked a little bit into what they actually do on TCO, right? Mm -hmm. and, and we won't go super deep here, but yeah, uh, I, I figured it, you might it was interesting. To touch on this. I saw yeah, notes. yeah. So, if you go to the the about page, um, one of the very first things they mention. 
uh, on this page besides what is TCO, right? Uh, and how do you play? The after those two questions, it is why do my best cards get discarded? Discarded? Why do I slash my opponent draw six Brobnar cards every turn? Stuff like that, right? So basically the randomness, right? Mm -hmm. And so they they talk about how um, nope. We're, we're good. We use uh, the Fisher Yates algorithm, and it's awesome, and our code's great. And uh, if you've proved there's a bug, you can raise an issue on GitHub. But here's some information. Here's here's the random discard run through our code one million times for the hand result size of six, and it's extremely close. Therefore, it's perfect. Right? Nothing is perfect, but yeah, it's pretty Nothing's good. Nothing's perfect. It's close enough, basically. Mm -hmm. So there's a... Uh, like in in computers right i have a computer's background and right you you've got some you got some background in the, in this stuff as well jupiter right so i'm done um, i don't know anything ah, okay <laughs> but uh that's my story uh, sticking to it computers so so computers are actually like not good at random doing things randomly right not because they're inherently very deterministic machines mm -hmm. what the heck is that man right that means basically like deterministic means when you do a that always results in b right so computer when you give it input a it always does b right so how do you non-deterministic randomness is hey i give it a and it could result in you know b through z right mm -hmm. but but because computers are largely deterministic it's very hard for a computer to perfectly with perfect distribution go from from b to z so there's all sorts of tricks and things that the um that they'll use right um but it, it it's hard right it's hard it's hard to be perfect it's hard to have a perfect distribution from b to z but i think for what we're doing in this in in on tco playing keyforge like it's good enough right the variance is is pretty little right but and, um and quite honestly it's still probably more variant than your shuffling technique <laughs> yeah well, they, yeah, they mentioned this, actually, in the little FAQ. It's like, what does it say? Like, real randomness can be quite jarring when you're used to imperfect human shuffling, right? Mm -hmm. So, now, I didn't research this in particular, but I remember, like, reading or some point, I remember, that maybe it's just common wisdom, that if you sh do a good riffle shuffle seven times, that is, like, sufficiently random, or, or whatever that means, Um and so, and that is based, um, and that that math, from what I understand, is based off of the Magic the Gathering lore, where they have a sixty-card deck, and random riffle shuffle of seven would is suffice to um, to random. Is it off Magic the Gathering? I feel like I heard it from like the old playing cards and stuff back. But when that's I was a, a fifty. Kid. It's still a fifty-two-card deck. It's like, yeah, it's very, it's similar, more, very it's, similar. It's more than thirty-six, and we only are shuffling mm -hmm. thirty-six cards. So if you're gonna random shuffle like a if you're gonna riffle shuffle 36 cards right one through 18 and then 19 through 36 is gonna get basically integrated right I'd have to do real math this is not something I prepared for so I'm just going off the idea right so if you were to integrate those I I'm not sure seven is the right number for 36 is what I'm saying I guess let me just leave it at yeah. that I, I'm, I can go yeah. and do some math about it but like I'm pretty certain that um, seven is not the ideal number for KeyForge. I think it's too much um, to it would basically start to re-sort itself. Um, but the truth is, is that the the best thing you can do for any kind of shuffling technique, to be fair, is 
rifle mash mash rifle mash mash rifle mash mash rifle mash mash until you feel comfortable um and the reason why is because the mash will basically move things in groups right and then the rifle will separate those groups and then you mash up the groups again and then you rifle the groups out again but if you just stick to one style of it like um you're eventually going to reoccur what happened so i think honestly like if i'm if i'm looking for fair play i'm thinking like when i'm shuffling my opponent's deck i'm going i want to rifle mash mash rifle mash mash rifle mash mash and just do it like there's no set number like i'd, I'd say at least three times each um so that's like nine you know turnings of the deck um, is, is it sufficient enough for um if they've already randomized but yeah. And you can see this if you open a brand new deck and you just shuffle it, like, you know, uh, lazily, let's say. Sh give it a few shuffles, right? And then you just flip some cards, splayed some cards, right? You'd see groupings. You'd see that, hey, you hadn't really done a great job of fully distributing, right? Hmm. So I know I always shuffle extra when I brand open a brand new deck. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that means, and it seems to make a difference, like, maybe that means I should be shuffling always, like that um um and you know when i'm like a real tournament scene i'll try to make sure i'm doing it for real you know and then you, you do your buddy or your opponents right and, and and whatnot um you know right we all had a kid right we were playing just cards or whatever where your buddy be shuffling the deck right or and you know there was always that one buddy who was just really bad at shuffling and be like let me shuffle that for you because <laughs> you knew it was gonna be it was gonna be rough right but um there's ways to, to practice your techniques for rifle shuffling too to where you're not damaging people's cards um another thing too is always remember if you're going to rifle shuffle with um sleeves that you don't rifle shuffle end to end you do it side to side uh because if you do it end to end you're going to catch a corner on the opening at some point and you're going to rip their sleeve that's like probably the biggest way that sleeves get ripped uh when you're shuffling is because you rifle shuffle them the way you would like a, a deck of cards like where you take the ends and basically go top to bottom and like rifle them down you can't do that with sleeves you got if you want to save your sleeve integrity and not mark your cards so make sure that you're going side like you're going long ways side to side like left to right um like uh it would be right of one card left of the other card and you shuffle those together and push them into a mashed kind of middle um because a lot of people Unless don't think you're Unless you're really good at it, like I am. If you end to end it, you're going to catch it at some point. And you're, it does happen. And you're, it does happen. And even if you don't feel it, you're, it's going to, <laughs> it's going to, it's going to put wear on the corners and make their sleeves illegal, and then they're going to get disqualified because. Yeah, I do not. I, <laughs> when I remember, I do not ruffle shuffle my opponent's decks. Uh, I will do it to mine because I don't know. I'm a monster. I rarely use sleeves because I'm a monster. Um, unless it's my my absolute best decks. Um, but yeah, for for my opponent, I will uh, I will be much more careful than I do for myself. If you're going to a tournament, sleeve your decks. That's all I'm going to mm -hmm. say. Because yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Okay, okay, because um, I'll tell you right now, like uh, just from my years of experience in like a very a competitive and toxic environment for magic, um, which it's not horrible, but like there are the people that if you don't sleeve your decks, 
they're going to like start the game and then they're going to call it judge over and they're going to go there's a card in his deck that has this nick on it or it has this this or this it's a marked card and as soon as that card is found and it's proven to exist you are now disqualified because you're you playing with marked cards um and the same goes with like that's why i said it's very important when you're shuffling other people's stuff not to wreck their sleeves and stuff because you could get them in you can get them disqualified for that and there is way there was times in magic where people would do things like that where they would like end and shuffle and like rip corners just to say that the card is marked right that the sleeve is busted or whatever and then you have to spend the time to get a new set of sleeves because if you can't then you're going to get disqualified and they'll give you time to switch all your sleeves over but then that's just wasting time in your round and making everybody else have to wait so um and i'm not saying that that will happen in keyforge but it's happened before and that's the same reason that they have always you always get the chance to shuffle your opponents is because there were 60 card there are 60 card techniques like the five and five like uh that basically makes it so that your deck is perfectly randomized in a way that's not random like you're gonna get a like a, a two like draw two regular cards draw a land draw one you know one card draw two lands etc and like it sets it into a rhythm to where your deck is going to always have a sufficient amount of land for drawing like 10 cards so um there are people that will do these things, uh, sadly. But I, I, I don't. I, ho- I hope that I don't run into them or see that in the KeyForge community. But oh. always, be- I've not seen anything like this yet. So I, no, I no. hope that remains. Yeah, yeah. But we haven't had Vault Warrior yet. And that's where I think is, a, yeah. a lot of these people will show up. So. Once, you, yeah, once you bring big money. But hopefully, you know, I think the community is great. You know, hopefully we can keep it, keep it full of, full of great people. Yep, and we'll run out the bad ones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, get out of here. All right, so, so I'll see you later, guys. It was nice playing keyboards with you. Um, no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you just need to pace yourself, Jupiter. Pace yourself. Like nah. you'll you'll be good. You pace yourself. You'll be happy. We'll be happy. It's gonna be I, good. Actually, I've been feeling better, and like everything good. at the house is starting to calm down a bit. So that's good too. Good. Good. Um, yeah, school's coming back soon, so I get vacation time again. <laughs> oh, school starts today for us here. Oh, nice. Like, ours doesn't start till like, next, the 9th, I think? Oh, really? That far after? So, okay. So, after Memorial Day by quite a bit. So. Yeah, because uh, he has his, um. Memorial? Labor Day? Whatever's in the, yeah, I don't know what day's in the. He has his, he has his walkthrough tomorrow. So we get to go, and, you know, mm-hmm. and his teacher from last year is like saying, "Oh, you know, if I'm busy, you can go see his other teacher." Blah blah blah, and this and that. And I'm like, are "You kidding me? Like, didn't you teach Harlan last year? Like, you know that when we get there, Harlan is gonna take me where he wants to go to say hi to people he wants to say hi to. Like, I don't get, <laughs> I don't, I don't get a say in that without having him fall to the ground and do like limp dead body, and like make it impossible for me to pick him up because he's getting heavier and he can do it much better than he used to." Um, so like try to avoid that. <laughs> I just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not life threatening. I just let him go with it. Like I just like, yep. Where do you want to go? I hold my hand. That's mm-hmm. all I ask. <laughs> 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 but we'll see what happens tomorrow. It should be interesting. But Harlan, I know is excited yeah. to go back to school, even though he'll tell me no school. Because uh, his, his new thing now is like you tell him or ask him something he wants or doesn't want, and it, the first word out of his mouth is no. Yeah. And um. Uh, we do. We are interested, as we mentioned right at the beginning. We are very interested in coming up with the perfect podcast name. Right? There's some really good ones out there, but we're looking for that perfect name. Uh, we've come up with some pretty bad ones. Maybe, maybe when we pick the real one, we should we should go through some of the real bad ones we we came up with. Uh, but um, like helper, uh, send us. 
Uh, no, that's not as bad as some of them. <laughs> the, uh, the vault uh, test. <laughs> there's some out there. But uh, send us the ones you like. Send us ones you think, like, yeah, hey, hey, Draz, hey, Jupe. You know, these, this, is, uh, this is what your podcast should be. And uh, maybe we'll like it enough to name it that. If I had to pick from what we have so far, I think the Amber Illusion one was was it's pretty good. It was pretty good. That's pretty good. I also like the interdimensional pod graft. Yeah, know. those are my two favorites. <laughs> yeah, are, yeah. But uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, again, mm-hmm. then we get to get creative and we get to make a new musical intro and make a new like symbol for the the the, the new podcast uh, link and all that stuff. So this is fun and this is cool and this is us like trying to be like long term committed to the podcast. And giving you guys something fresh, cool, and different, right? And uh, I think most mm-hmm. of you, I think most of the people who listen to us are very amused by us. So from what I've heard, um, our, di- our, our <laughs> they're di- not. Why are they listening? What's going on, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So, some yes. people just like to like 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 to watch the world burn, right? So like, they just uh, like the pain. There you go. <laughs> yeah, they like the go. pain. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, Jazz. I don't think we got anything else. I think we're good. So. Uh... This is Drascor and happy forging, everyone. And this is Jupiter from Millions, New York, aka Fifth Planet of K Forge, and I'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>